Welcome to the Les Spellman Podcast, where we redefine how athletes develop speed by giving them the tools to play faster. Rob Jordan, uh, it's good to good to see you again, man. It's been I feel like I talk to you every day now. <laughs> it's like it's a lot. It's a yeah, lot, man. but um, hey, talking. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, the goal of this is kind of like we'll dive into like your background for a little bit, but really just try to get as quickly as we can into like the training piece and some like the future and all that stuff and what we're going to accomplish. So just give me like a three minute little breakdown of like your story and like how you got to where you're at now. Cause obviously cool. Kalen- yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I have, um, everything started at Auburn university. Um, I have a track background from high school and college and, and really everything started with a hamstring rupture. Um, and from that was the deep dive into the strength conditioning game. Um, I knew from a very young age, I wanted to do it from about 13 actually. Um, and after I, um, after I, I had to essentially retire from sports due to the injury, I just dove into coaching and figure out how can I make athletes healthy and not have them get hurt. So I, uh, I got my master's degree in biomechanics of human movement and directly after, after out of university, I moved back to my uh, hometown about an hour outside of Atlanta and opened up my business and did consulting with athletes, um, fitness all, all the way through. I was there for about eight years, ended up opening up a facility there um, that was pure sports performance and physical therapy um, for about two or three years, which was great. And then uh, about four years ago, relocated down to Miami, Florida with uh, DBC Fitness uh, right in the heart of Miami. And I uh, head up their uh, youth sports performance uh, division. Nice. So that's dope. What made you get into like youth side of things? Oh, man. I, I love the youth side. I mean, if it was my choice, I would stay with youth 24-7. It's the mentorship. Um, I got into this game, honestly, because of a, a coach that brought me back from a path I shouldn't have been going down and taught me about sport and what it can do and what it can teach. And I want to pass it on to other kids that sport and, and, and winning is not the end all be all. If I teach you just to squat or just to lift, that's not what I'm here for. It's to be a, a mentor and to be a, a big brother, pretty much. Yeah, I love that. That's facts. That's facts. Now, tell me about like your philosophy, like your coaching philosophy, like mm-hmm. high level. What's that look like? Yeah, my coaching philosophy, high level. Um, everything comes down to mechanics, and that and that's really what I've been known for in circles is movement efficiency. Um, and everywhere, whether we're in the weight room or on the field, whether we're doing change of direction or leader speed, it, it's aligning the mechanics with the individual and making sure that they're optimized and efficient. Um. I've never been one to worry so much about weight and metrics of squat, deadlift, things like that. My main concern is one, is the athlete healthy? That's the number one factor. If you're not healthy, you can't perform your job. And then two, are you highly conditioned or are you highly explosive? That's dope. That's dope. Now, how do you, how do you like lay out your weekly template? Like I just signed up, I got five days. Mm-hmm. How, how do I, how do I get that laid out with you? Yeah. So it will depend. So being in the private sector, a lot, you know, I have a lot of different options with my athletes. So a lot of the high school kids can only make it about two or three times a week. So I really have to pick and pick and choose. And what I do is a 
combination of performance based of, of speed and agility development uh, and mixed that with, with weight room um so that way you know with our turf i can just get him on the turf and then bring him right over to the weightlifting area so what i'm doing is essentially a total body lift really focusing on explosive power throughout the week on like a monday wednesday friday split will be our heavy training days with tuesday thursday being more regeneration recovery mobility work uh, and, and more specific uh, positional work that's dope. Okay. And uh, let's dive a little deeper. So like, let me say like, I know, I know you're indoors, right? Most mm -hmm. of the time. <laughs> but how are you, how are you developing speed in your, in your space? And how are you, what kind of results are you seeing from it? So the results, you know, in my space, I have about roughly 12 yards of really usable space in my facility for speed development. So really I've only been able to really hit on acceleration mechanics in the past. Um, now that I've connected with you and really started sort of burning into that, that realm a lot more, um, I, I'm pulling my athletes outside more just because I need to have the space to be able to do it. Um, so what I've really worked on it and facility is strength work, high end mobility work, and then change direction and plyometric work, specifically landing mechanics. Um, like I said, everything comes back to. Am I putting the athlete in the best position to be healthy and not to get yeah. injured? So a lot of what I do is education, you know, especially with the youth athletes, making sure they understand their bodies. I made the mistake earlier in my career of coddling my athletes so much that if I wasn't around, they almost didn't understand what to do. So now I really try to take it upon my athletes that, hey, I need you to be a coach just like me. And when, when I'm not around, you got to think like a coach and understand what's right, right and what's wrong and put yourself in those correct positions. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I've made that mistake plenty of times, even um, even in the combine space. I've done that it's sometimes. Hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah. You know, some, sometimes, you know, and one of the one of the best quotes I've ever heard is, sometimes you just got to shut up and just let, let an athlete be an athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. So what's next? Like, what do you... What are you really excited about? Obviously, besides USR Speed Lab, but like, what what are you researching? Like, what are you excited about to get going right now? The big thing I'm really, really excited about is being able to really dive into some interesting uh, injury prevention research from from the USR and from the speed development. You know, I haven't been able to touch base up in a lot of the data around that, that we will be getting into. And that is just something that is so huge on top of what I do in the facility um, to be able to really quantify data. You know, one thing I really want to look at is at that mass velocity, the asymmetries between legs and, and go, all right, it, can we predict certain things from that, that, all right, we can go back to a team or go back to an individual and go, hey, we have to go back and assess some things because we're looking at this velocity that we might not even notice if we're doing a static assessment or just day-to-day -day movement. It's only in that in that particular area. So that's what I'm really, really excited about is to get some long-term data in that realm. Nice. Do you feel like there's like missing links right now in terms of- Yeah. Like, yeah. So talk to me. Yeah. About, like, what are you thinking? Yeah. I, I mean, the biggest thing, and, that, and that's what kind of brought me into following your work is, you know, I've been in speed development, quote unquote, for a while and been in that realm for years. But there was always something missing and I just, I couldn't put my finger on it. And then what, you know, as I started to kind of go through your course, I go, oh man, putting the data together, the force velocity profiles and understanding the mechanics of what we're trying to really accomplish and let's say acceleration versus max velocity, even someone 
proficient in the training room doesn't understand, you know, the differences between those two, you know, to the naked eye, they might not notice that. It's such a detailed, um, finite thing. And, and that's just fascinating to me. I love it. Nice, nice. No, I love that. Yeah, we've <clears throat> we've seen some interesting stuff just recently um, collecting, you know, just obviously the force velocity profile data um, plus the kinematic data. So looking at like contact times and air, air times. And, you know, it's funny because like um, one of the things that we've noticed over the, the course of these past three and a half weeks with the combine group is that nobody's ground contacts have actually improved. It's interesting. interesting because that's what our goal was, but everybody's we're, we're averaging two tenths of a second faster in our twenties. But if you look at the data, what's changed is hip displacement. So then mm. the athletes are projecting more, they're a little bit more horizontal oriented, but we haven't really, in theory, we haven't really gotten faster. We, what we've done is we've put them in different positions, which has allowed them to reach certain landmarks from a stable on like a body standpoint, but we haven't really converted anything that we're doing into, into actual higher speeds. So, I mean, technically it is, but what we're working on and looking at is like, okay, we've done the heavy, we've done the medium. We're starting to get into some light resisted running. We've done the start stuff. We've done heavy Excel stuff. And now as we're transitioning out, giving the next four weeks, like it's coming down the mountain. What are we actually going to see? And that's in, you know, similar approach to how you're looking at injury stuff we've been looking at on the speed side is how do we use the kinematic data to, to drive our coaching and how do we use the physical data, like force velocity mm -hmm. pro profile and all that to drive our programming. And, yes. um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see a lot of stuff pops up in there. No, it's, it's, it, it's fascinating. I, I love it. I, the, I mean, the deep dive I've been going into the last couple of months on this is it's been really exciting to, you know, to, to find that link that I, that I was saying is that missing link to kind of connect everything together. And there's so much discrepancy between the weight room and, you know, the field and, and performance versus, versus weights. And really it should be, it should be all together, you know? And, and one thing I've noticed is most athletes, especially youth, they don't understand horizontal projection. They don't even yeah. understand what that means. Um, yeah. Because everything's so vertically based in the weight room, they don't even understand how to project themselves in a different area. It's a plane. For sure. And if you look at like some of the data that we have right now, it's kind of funny. It's like, I have to go back and be like, is this actually real? Because what's happening is uh, most of our O-linemen haven't had like formal sprint training. Now they've done like, you know, obviously teams do like a little period in the spring and the winter where they spring, yeah. they do a little bit, but you know, like nothing really that targeted for what we're trying to do. Um, so right now, like what we're looking at is like, we're seeing massive improvements, massive improvements in their horizontal displacement because we're actually focused on their ability to, to project themselves forward and get forward. And, um, we're technical coaching showing them video and i'm like how many of you guys have ever seen yourself run on video like outside of like practice and they're like uh nobody you know <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> so the data that and that was part of the reason why i started working with the linemen this year um was to understand like what kind of effects will you see if you start working this this with athletes are typically not accustomed to the horizontal power side of things and yeah, it's pretty crazy to see, man, because you're also seeing it show up in their skill work. And if you look at the contact times when they do like pass rush and all that stuff, like 
uh-huh assets like i mean they're they're like very powerful they're extremely powerful and an easy way to train that is sprinting but that's a tangent <laughs> but, but but that's uh, a, i'll tell you that's a cool tangent because you think about you know well if you they can improve that first step and how much power off the lawn whether it's off but lawnman i mean that's it's huge yeah and like also like simplifying what we've done is simplified it down to like you know just we we set target so we have a stance exit velocity like guideline so like how to exit your stance at 2.7 2 2.8 meters per second right and once you hit that threshold it's how to get to your first step and in the next velocity and like what what we saw is when we focused on the system and the micro components the outcomes were what we wanted which was originally run a like a very fast five so if we broke it down to the stance the first step and the second step guys did that well they ended up running a good five versus saying run a faster five uh you know like just stuff like that so another tangent but um yeah, yeah man, <laughs> it's, it's awesome stuff no it's awesome very cool. very cool yeah so what um a couple more questions here what is what is your biggest influence in in your coaching philosophy or who is your biggest influence in your coaching philosophy right now right now um you know uh you you and your team are probably my current biggest uh, biggest i have to be quite honest uh between you guys and then my my team over at dbc i've been quite blessed to be around a lot of unbelievable professionals that have a lot of different you know expertise so uh i just try and be a sponge and suck up as much as i can and you know be around as many smart people as i can <laughs> talk to you about the dbc so i understand a little bit about it but i you guys have like a biomechanical model that you follow as coaches. Yeah. Here. So so yeah. So we're we're a biomechanics based facility. So everything we do, we put we so when an athlete comes in, we put them through a uh, a static assessment with about sixty to sixty five different orthopedic measurements, checking limb length, the symmetries, things like that. And we're really trying to find does everything function proper, properly in the body? You know, left to right, up down, front to back. And as we find those issues, our you know our first phase is essentially a corrective phase of all right. It doesn't matter how great of an athlete you are if you don't move properly. So you're not cleared out into the next you know phase of movement until you're moving how you're supposed to be and efficient. And then from there, everything takes on the big up strength work into power work into specific training work. But that's the biggest thing is slowing things down and taking a step back, especially with youth athletes. You know. How many times do they want to focus on proper, you know, warm up or dynamic warm up or cool down or things like that? I mean, they just, it's murder for them to try and, you know, together. So that's what, that's a big thing that I try and do is get some systems in place, especially for my athletes, mobility wise, injury prevention wise. Like I just had one of my uh, Brown soccer athletes just texting night and she's like, Hey, I need a stretch routine. What's your top five stretches I can do every night and we can get into a little habit as I'm getting back into the semester. Things like that. Just little easy things to, you know, provide more efficiency for the athletes. Yeah, that's dope. So talk to me about like what are you seeing the data? Like what are you what are you finding from looking at all this data, like leg length and things like that, asymmetries? Oh man, uh the biggest thing that I'm seeing with the asymmetries pretty uniformly it, I'm gonna go back to the injury rate. The the weaker leg is usually the it's one that I am just looking at nonstop of going okay is there something going to go on in the knee is there something going on in that foot and ankle and and from there when I see those asymmetries 
it's making me do a deep dive in the rest of my training to go back and go, okay, am I missing something in, a, in another facet? Is this athlete truly balanced? So it's giving me that that eye of a general skill, but then also really specifying it down into certain areas as well. Okay, I want you to go deeper. <laughs> yeah, I want to know more. So like, okay. what, are, what are some things like that you, what are some common things or like, what are you, what are you seeing that most of the youth athletes have or how do you the fix it? Like, oh, yeah, give me a little bit more. I think youth athletes have, it's issues within their hip. It's within their hip and their understanding of their foot complex. And, and I say both of those because I really believe the foot and the hip are intertwined that the, the hip can move perfectly, but if the foot doesn't, it's good. It's going to streamline back. You know, everything's connected in there. So the first thing that I, I'm trying to, that I've really gone deep dive with my athletes lately is, is understanding their foot function, their ankle function of this is the foot position you need to be in because if not, it's streaming up to the knee and I'm and a big part of the ACL therapy because I do a lot with uh, women's soccer athletes. I've had a lot of background with ACLs is how can we prevent that knee from going? Cause we know it, it's a slave to that hip and the ankle. So mm. big things for me is that, is that foot integrity, but also the mobility and stability of the hip. Everyone always wants to say the hip is either weak or hip or, you know, immobile, but a lot of times it's, it's a little combination of both and we'd have to strengthen it and mobilize it in the same time to make sure it's moving efficiently. Makes sense. What kind of tests do you do at the hip? Like the internal rotation test or what is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a few different, so I'll we'll have a few different uh, static tests where we'll go through hip flexion, extension, uh, internal rotation, external rotation. And then I'll go through a few um, active tests where I'll, I'll put them in a 90, 90 position, see how they can move their bear, both from their front side leg and their backside. And then I go through some basic movement mechanics of a big, a big movement um that i go through is a is a bear crawl and i go through it a slight bit different than than how um baseline animal flow does i do a little bit more dynamic where i call it a sprinter bear crawl and I'll, I'll show you i'll send you a video of this but what i'm looking for is hip integrity of what's caving in what's what's you know what's internally rotating in versus being able to stabilize because from there as i can get them on all fours i can see how their shoulders their core their hips and their feet all move in unison with slowing it down a little bit without being right that might be a little too complex with people um so and then the last portion is hurdle mobility i have a few i have about three different movements i'll go um you know step overs duck unders a few things like that where i'll look at their active motion through um dynamic movements no it's dope okay that's sweet sweet cool well we got about like seven minutes so what what questions do you have for me oh man <laughs> Yeah, 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 right. Let's about... open. Yeah, it's like let's open up Pandora's box and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean the big, the biggest thing. Um, one thing I've been really fascinated about that you can talk about like, the, the hip displacement. That is yeah. one thing I really want to study a little bit more because even as myself as a sprinter, and that's one thing you know, I had recurring hamstring issues. Um, I had about two or three ruptures. Um, before the age of twenty-two, and never could figure out why. And, I, and then as I started to look, as I started to study, study your methodology, I went, oh, okay. I figured this all out now. Um, so <laughs> that, you know, the now is the missing link, the light bulb of, all right, walk, you know, uh, that one thing I was missing and, and I was teaching everything completely wrong and didn't even realize it. And of course, I hate to admit that as a coach, but you got to admit your flaws, just like you admit, you know, the good things. And 
I was not teaching things properly. I went back and went, okay, I need to kind of take a step back and relearn everything, pretend I know nothing and reteach myself this both from a coach, but as an athlete as well. Like I've already gone through the USR program, the full six week, and I'm going through a second phase right now to kind of retest a couple of things I didn't like oh. my programming. And then when I had, you know, a couple of coworkers come out and we're, and we're working, I go, okay, film me through things. Of course, I had a couple of same issues with my projection. I go, all right, this, this is ugly. This is, this is not good right now that I never would have be thought about had I not studied some of this work. Yeah. So, so the, the hip displacement pictures is really just looking at how far it's really a measure of projection, like true mm -hmm. projection. Like, are you able to get projections? So what happens is like, if you, if you don't have good hip displacement, you're not going to have a good thigh range, meaning like you're not, not getting a big extension in the back and a big flexion in the front. Like you're not going anywhere off the line. So 25% of your velocity can be built within that first step, that initial push. So it's super, super, super important. And then if you look at just like, well, you know, once you get past step one, step two, you're looking at your touchdown distance versus your hip displacement. So like if your touchdown distance is like way in front of your center of mass, mm -hmm. what's going to happen is it, it's essentially like a break, like you're breaking on contact and you have to overcome that breaking force before you can get to the propulsive force. So your hip displacement will tell you a lot versus your uh, touchdown distance, seeing if you're actually displacing the hip forward and a stride is in the, you know, that touch on distance is coming under your hip mm -hmm. or are you, are you basically pulling yourself forward? So there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot there. I would say hip projection distance is a, is a massive piece. Like we look at the data, we want to see it increase, in, increase, increase. Um, we look at like a standard for, you know, our guys right now have like a standard hip projection distance they got to get to, uh, without too much air time. Cause what will happen is some, like, if you want to get more. Uh, hit displacement then obviously you just get more vertical and you get right. in the air more air time so can you get can you get um one yard out with your hip but also at the same time can you have 0 0.05 air time and can you also have during your first ground contact under 0.3 not super hard and very easy only only a couple guys can do that um like our four three guys couple four four guys but for our alignment it's like okay well all we really need is a fraction of that just a piece of that in order to run you know a one seven yeah. five ten which is very 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 good for alignment so like little things like that man like have we we looked at on the hip projection side the kinematic side to kind of get more insights now now i have a question for you i do with a lot of basketball players that of as we both know and majority of the time in their vertical realm do you any suggestions to try and I guess they have such a hard time understanding the horizontal component because that's not really where they're in. Um, have you had any background in that? Yeah, for sure. I worked with a couple NBA teams, um, uh, just, just recently working with Orlando magic. Um, well, nice. but yeah, yeah. So like, honestly, like there's a lot of sprints in, in, uh, in a game of basketball, not a lot right. of high speed sprints, but there are a ton of accelerations. So there are kind of micro accelerations, two steps, three steps here four steps here but from data we know that you can reach 60 percent of your velocity in four steps so that's pretty key and there is a lot of horizontal that goes into it um so also there's a lot of horizontal that goes into into a lot of the jumps that they're doing because they're mm -hmm. with their approach and um their ability to get like some velocity getting into that first like breaking step but um yeah i would say like with basketball it's less 
for me, it's less technical and it's more just like special strength. So if I want to get you a rig of vertical jump, then, you know, we're going to do lower body, bilateral, unilateral, whatever, you know, posterior. Okay. We'll get stronger, right? If you yep. want to get a really good early acceleration, we're just going to do things that promote strength in the horizontal plane. So I'm going to have them push sleds. I'm going to have them throw a med ball and sprint after it. I'm going to have them run with the sled. I'm going to have them do horizontal jumps. And I won't coach too much, to be honest. Like, how how good technically do you have to be? You know, and, and there obviously there's pieces that you teach, like, in the warm-up. Like, you can do a couple marches and resisted marches and resisted bounds. and You could do some, you know, four-step drills and coach a little bit, but then let them go. Even, even with my guys, offensive linemen, I coach the first 15 minutes and I just let them go, let them make yeah. the mistakes on their own. And then I show them the video and then we recap and then we go after it the next, the next day. Well, not the next day, but you know, but yeah, that's, that's how I would approach basketball. And the way that I do approach basketball right now is I make it, I have an Excel day and on that Excel day, I work on deceleration at the same time. So we accelerate, we decelerate and we work on deceleration mechanics. Because it's a, it's a dangerous thing if you speed them up but can't slow them down, all right? So absolutely, yeah. 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 No, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's all, that's perfect. Okay, that helps out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, man, this is this is awesome. I wish we had more time. I got Darren coming up next, but awesome, hey, man. I appreciate I appreciate you. Yeah, no, this is awesome, man. We'll we'll chop it up more and just get more into. It some data i gotta show you some data that i got from these guys it's pretty cool absolutely i love to go through that man yes sir cool bro all, we'll right. Talk soon. all right thank you for listening to the less Bowman podcast if you do me two massive favors first please rate the podcast and give it five stars if you enjoyed if you didn't enjoy it please still give me five stars <laughs> second please share this podcast with another coach an athlete or a parent who wants to learn how speed is developed thanks again for listening and check out the podcast description to learn more